It's time for a new evolution in raising golfers, one that doesn't involve headaches, tears, or heading down the path of unknown. Whether you're trying to introduce children to the game of golf, help them play competitively, or play at a collegiate level, you're in the right place. This show is for any parent, player, or coach who wants to build a better team at home and on the golf course. This is the Raising Golfers Podcast. Hello, listeners, followers. I'm your host, Travis Hauser, PGA professional. And what an exciting week I have this week. We're starting some of our new junior golf programs. I just can't wait to get out there and help out with bringing the game of golf to these children's lives and hopefully creating these lifelong experiences for them. Also, I want to wish all the mothers out there a happy Mother's Day. Yesterday was Mother's Day. I hope all you mothers were spending time with your family, had some great times together. And if you got a chance to go out on the golf course, even more wonderful. But happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. All right, this week we have a special guest coming from U.S. Kids Golf, Jim Hardy. He's the Senior Director of Academy Development for U.S. Kids Golf, which is based at Longleaf Golf and Family Club in South Pines, North Carolina. We have six keys that we use when we teach golf here. And, and, and the first is to teach very lightly, which means that um, when I'm introducing putting, for example, to a a new student, it, it will take me about 15 seconds to tell them how to hold on to it and stand next to it. And then I immediately say, let's go play a game. It, I, I can stand there and, and explain it and I can teach it very well, but I'd rather just say, here's how you hold it. Here's how you stand next to it. Let's see if we can play this game. And as they're playing the game, it increases the skill that I just uh, introduced. So they're, they're learning to play golf without really realizing they're learning to play golf. Jim has been working at U.S. Kids Golf since 2015, and now they have over 500 juniors participating annually, and at this place, it's known as the U.S. Kids Living Laboratory. The academy serves as the proving grounds for new concepts to grow the game. Jim likes to create a fun and enjoyable learning experience while bringing students the technical, mental, and fitness aspects of the game tailored to meet their individual needs. Jim is also one of the presenters for the U.S. Kids Golf Certification course. So he's a really big wealth of knowledge in junior golf, and I know that this episode is going to be a great listen for all of us, and there's going to be so much for us to all take away, whether you're a coach, parent, or player. Jim, welcome to the Raising Golfers podcast. Thanks, Travis. Happy to be here today. Yeah, I'm excited as well. I just took the online U.S. Kids Certification course. I know I missed you. But I have only heard great things about you, and I'm excited for this conversation. Me too. I've heard great things about you too. So uh, let's let's talk some junior golf. Yeah, for sure. All right. So I'm going to start with the U.S. Kids Golf mission statement, and then I'm gonna we're going to go into it from there. Right. So the mission of U.S. Kids Golf is to help kids have fun learning the lifelong game of golf and encourage family interaction that builds lasting memories. Yeah. So. Where I want to start with is the fun part. So I know you have this motto, and I would like for you to just to share that, and then we'll kind of get into the fun and games part first. So what's that motto that you guys use at U.S. Kids Golf? So we make golf fun enough, long enough, until the kids can't get enough. Yeah, I um, love that. And and that came came about kind of interestingly. When I first did that, I, it was super long. And my wife is an advertising um, agent, Owns, owns her own agency. And she said, no, we need to shrink that down. So we worked on it together and finally got it down to something simple and catchy. And, and we really do live by that because um, in the past, I think as golf professionals, we've made the game sound 
way too difficult just because as golf professionals, we know a lot. So we say a lot. And then the kid at seven or eight years old is thinking, wow, this is way harder than soccer. I think I'm going to go do soccer. Yeah, I think it's great. So, you know, this podcast, we have a lot of parents that listen. We also have coaches and players. I think parents want their kids to have fun. There's no doubt about that. But how, how would you describe this where it's not that just the coaches and players are just messing around or wasting time when they're playing games? Why are games so important for the development of children in golf? Yeah, so that's a great question. We we try to use uh, uh, that. That would come under the heading of the first couple of uh, of our keys that we use. We have six keys that we use when we teach golf here. And, and, and the first is to teach very lightly, which means that um, when I'm introducing putting, for example, to a, a new student, it, it will take me about 15 seconds to tell them how to hold on to it and stand next to it. And then I immediately say, let's go play a game. And putting is a great example because my favorite game to play for putting is called tic-tac-toe. And so we have a tic-tac-toe board set up on the putting green. And uh, if a child can um, put three balls in a row, tic-tac-toe, they've controlled the distance and direction of their golf ball rolling among, uh, along the, the putting green, which is putting. You know, they, it, I, I can stand there and, and explain it and I can teach it very well, but I'd rather just say, here's how you hold it. Here's how you stand next to it. Let's see if we can play this game. And as they're playing the game, it increases the skill that I just uh, introduced in a very fun way, very fun and colorful. We use uh, golf balls of, of different colors and they have five orange balls, for example. And so they have five tries to get three balls in a row on the on the tic-tac-toe grid. And, and uh, it's modified tic-tac-toe rules. They can share squares. So you don't get to block or anything at first. But um, And the cool thing about that is, is that the, the beginner can start right on the edge of the board. Uh, and we've left the board out there all day at times. And we have... Um, uh, uh, a college team that practices here and I caught them playing tic-tac-toe from 30 feet. And so that challenge met their skill level. But in the beginning, we're right on the edge of the board. So if you just tap it six inches, you've got one on the board and you have one square. And so um, it really does, it really does in, introduce the game or introduce the skill that we just introduced to the student in a fun, colorful, exciting way. And so they're, they're learning to play golf without really realizing they're learning to play golf. Yeah, I think it's perfect. I like that. Now, with teaching lightly, then, you know, how much information can a child really digest in a session? So um, not very much, um, but they can mirror um, and they can copy what's going on. And so we always it's called an anticipatory set in, in educational terms or a set induction. So we'll have the board already set up with some colorful golf balls around it. And I'll say, okay, this is putting. I want to roll the ball into that square. And so I'll roll the ball into that square. And then I'll show them in the booklet um, how I gripped it. And we call that the thumbs on top grip. And the setup is called the Y setup. And when we put the Y on the ground, our eyes are over the ball. And when we swing the club, the back swing should equal the follow through. And then I'll have them say it with me, do it with me. So I'll say thumbs on top and they'll repeat it. And I'll say Y setup and they'll repeat it. And I'll say eyes over the ball and they'll repeat it. And I'll say backswing goes follow through and they'll repeat it. And I'll say, let's go play a game. And so we're immediately into the game. And at first um, they have really very little distance control. They have no idea yet, uh, but they figure it out pretty fast. It, obviously, if you hit it too far, it goes uh, off the board. Uh, if you don't hit it far enough, it doesn't get to the board or it doesn't get to the square that you're after. And so 
Um, it's, it's a guided discovery. They're, they're teaching themselves. They've watched me do it. They've seen a picture of it in our booklet. And then now they've said it and then they can watch each other do it. So there's a lot of mirroring going on that I think probably is a better teacher than any teacher. I think that's huge. And even for, I mean, children, adults are different than how they learn. Right. But, you know, people talk about audio learners and visual learners and, you know, just getting and doing it. And it seems like just with that 15 seconds, you're basically getting them to learn something, a new skill immediately, very quickly. You're doing it very in a, in a very light way. And then again, the game's kind of reinforcing those skills and allowing them to have these boundaries where they start to actually figure things out on their own because children are brilliant, aren't they? Absolutely. They're, yeah. they're, uh, they're professional learners. Yeah, absolutely. That's all they do is they learn and, and, and they learn best. I think when it's a, when it's a fun activity that teaches them, right? I want my ball to stop in that square. Oh, I've hit that one too far. I'll hit the next one a little softer. Um, and so they, they, they teach themselves. It's, it's uh, um, without even, without it really even realizing it through play, they teach themselves um, um, so many things throughout the day. I like to talk about experiences because I think experiences for children are huge. You know, how would you put experiences at the forefront to get everyone involved, including the family? So a golf course um, is always visually stimulating anyways, if you haven't ever been to one, because it's a park-like atmosphere. There's usually trees and birds, and, and, and then there's some really cool-looking grass, um, and then uh, where the green is, right? And, so, and, around the, and, and around the green is some slightly taller grass, and there's flags. And, and then when we set up the games before the kids get there, there's a tic-tac-toe board on the putting green, and there's a game of bullseye on the, on the chipping green, and there's uh, balls um, and cones in the sand bunker, and there's uh, a stack of baskets on the driving range uh, if we're playing Tower of Power or something like that. And so um, as an anticipatory set, we, uh, it's enticing some learning or enticing some investigation because there's a, a lot of color there. And so, um, and, and at first, some of the parents are like, uh, I thought we were going to learn golf. This, this looks a little too uh, childish. But the idea there is, is that we, we try to create a fun but purposeful environment. And the, and the purpose comes um, in, the, in the form of earning achievement pins, in our case, where we'll uh, teach very lightly. We'll play a game that increased that skill on a very colorful game board. Um, and then we'll, a, a, as they show some mastery over this skill, we'll award them with a pin. And so now that's fun and purposeful and they start to get excited about earning pins. And um, one of the, uh, in the old school way of doing things, you would, you know, my first lesson was standing on a very hot driving range in Houston, Texas in August. And this older fellow was up there and he was talking for a long, long time about some fellow named Ben Hogan and how important the grip had to be and that we weren't going to hit one single ball until our grip was right. And, and thank goodness my dad and my grandfather already had me in love with the game or I would have quit right then because that was, that was a turnoff. But in, but in this case, we, 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 we try to get instant activity. We try not to stand around and lecture. We, we um, get them involved as, as fast as possible. So it kind of sounds like you guys have the, the wow factor really built in. So even before the children show up and the family show up, it's like every just like in awe and just, you know, you just see not only just the golf course, but also just the other activities they already set up. And it's just like, wow, I want to get involved with this. And you, you get a lot of buy-in just from that, don't you? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, th you know, throw in a few pool noodles for uh, trajectory control around the chipping green and they, they see all these things and, and, um, and they'll, they'll start 
playing already without without any direction. They'll just gravitate to it if you let them, and we do, and they'll start they'll just start playing with the items that are up there. We've we've discovered a couple of different ways to play some of the games just by watching kids go over and experience it raw. Um, and so the, the whole idea though is, is that there's there there's there's it's games based learning. So um, I'm not big on popping water balloons with a golf club, but I, but I am big on playing a game called battleship. In other words, for chipping, because they have to chip a ball up and hit a basket that's on the green and have it stop within this circle around the basket. Uh, so they're, they're learning a little bit of trajectory, a little bit of distance control and a little bit of directional control. Um, and so the, all the games are fun, but purposeful. They, they, they're clever in that they uh, are help teaching the things that we have to learn in golf that are, that can sound quite complicated if you start talking about, you know, D plane and low point control and ground force reaction and, um, and things like that. But if you say it in terms of uh, brushing the grass and turning your Y into an L or, you know, things like that, that, that kids can understand, um, like swinging a little bit more like a Ferris wheel instead of a merry-go-round or vice versa to get the swing plane correct. You know, it's a, it, it, it's a, it's a, the challenge for the coach is to, knowing all that we know to um, pare it down to Ferris wheels, merry-go-rounds, brushing grass, the letter Y to the letter L, stick the finish, show some shoe, those kind of things that are, that are simple to understand and that solve all those other problems at the same time. So that kind of goes back to that teaching lightly uh, thing that you were talking about earlier. So then, you know, what's your thoughts on this? Are some of the best learning environments for children where you can set up, let's just say some of these activities or games have some type of small introduction or none at all, but the kids can actually start kind of thriving and be able to just continuously play in it on their own. Absolutely. The, there, there is always a little bit of a safety factor once you get off the putting green, because they're going to be swinging a little bit bigger. Um, so you want to have it lined up so that it is um, safe um, and um, somewhat structured, but I, but I try to create structure without restraint um, whereas in the past, we've always created structure around the golf course with great restraint. And so that really stifles, I think, the learning process a lot of times is, um, you know, the I, I've seen this time and time again where a kid is asked, can you chip this ball into this circle? And they do it. Uh, they accomplish the task. And then the coach tells them everything they did wrong. Um, maybe they were using their wrists more than the coach would like. But the, the, the original test was, can you hit this ball into this circle? And they did it. It's time to celebrate. And instead, they're told how they did it wrong. And, mm-hmm. and then we wonder why, you know, at times, uh, why golf seems like it's it, the number of junior golfers throughout the years remains about the same. Um, and it's largely due to the fact that um, it, it can be a very overtaught game. Um, and it can be uh, it can be um, a, a really fun game made into something that sounds really awfully complicated and difficult. Mm. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think as adults, you know, whether coaches or parents, I think we're all a little bit guilty of this of not allowing enough self discovery within the mm-hmm. game. Mm-hmm. And I think if we did a little bit better job of that, I think more children would stay in the game of golf longer. I, I, yeah. I personally believe that. I totally agree. I just had a uh, one of our level two trainings here in Pinehurst uh, this past week, and we had some coaches here. And one of the coaches said something that I, I really love because he said, I had it backwards. I thought if I could turn the kids into good golfers, they would fall in love with golf. But it, it never worked out that way, uh, or it rarely worked out that way. 
um, um, it's better to, to help them love golf as a game and then watch them get better. Um, and some will get a lot better. And then, you know, some will, will get pretty good. Um, and, and our, our industry, the, the game of golf is made up by a lot of just pretty good golfers. They're not very good. They're just pretty good. Um, and so, uh, the guys and the guys and girls that we see on TV are very, very good. Um, and so we, you know, a lot of times I think when the, the coaches and the parents see a kid that has a little bit of talent, they, they jump, they jump the ship uh, a little bit. They uh, jump into, oh, I can get a college, uh, college scholarship or I can uh, maybe, maybe he'll turn professional or maybe she'll turn professional. And, and then they take something that might have been full of joy for the kid. That's why they were good at it, turn it into a job, and now they get burned out mm. um, and, and end up not, not playing. Right. No, I, yeah. I, I, a good friend of mine, Neil Plimmer, he lives in the UK and I've had him on the podcast many times. One thing he said is you actually don't have to be good at golf to love golf. That's now, exactly of right. course, you know, of course we do like to see some type of improvement and, and some type of, of, of gains, but the reality is actually you don't have to be good to enjoy it. You can enjoy the game of golf for so many other reasons and so many other purposes. And I think for families listening, I think that's an important thing to take away because even if a parent's never played golf, you don't have to be good to join it. But if you can join your child and be on the golf course together, you know, you might find a new love for the game of golf and it's not just your scores, your results, you know, it's just the time with the family. Absolutely. There's, there's, it's, there's really, you're hard pressed to find another sport where um, kids and, and their parents can play together. Um, and and if the kids are playing the correct correctly scaled tees uh, or the the correct yardage, then um, it can be uh, fun and somewhat competitive and um, and just a blast. You can you know spend two hours with your kids playing nine holes and 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 be outdoors and put the phones away and and um, just enjoy each other's company and laugh at each other's mistakes. Mm, no, yeah, I, I would totally agree. So let's talk a little bit about course play as well. You know, what are some of the gains for junior golfers to get out and play on the golf course that maybe sometimes we as adults can't even see? Well, the um, uh, perseverance and the ability to um, uh, be resilient, change plans. You know, the plan is I'm going to knock this right down the middle and then knock it close and make a birdie. But the reality is I hit it in the trees off the uh, the first shot. And so I've got to recover, but I can still make par. And so it's just all about creating a plan and then um um, adjusting the plan as you go. Um, I used to tell the kids that I work with that the, you know, the plan this morning was for you to wake up and your favorite shirt would be ready and clean and your favorite cereal would be ready and on the table and the bus would be on time and you could sit next to your best friend and you go and ace all the tests today. But the reality is, is that you wake up in the morning and your favorite shirt is still crumpled in the corner because that's where you threw it. And there's, there's your favorite cereal is not there, but you have to eat something and you have, and the bus is late and somebody's sitting next to your friend and, and you weren't ready for the pop quiz. So you can't quit. You keep going. You just, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, make adjustments as you go and continue. I think too, uh, about getting on the golf course, um, in the older models, I, I think a lot of beginners weren't even allowed to get on the golf course for months, maybe years, because they were told you're not good enough yet. Wait till you can hit it better, chip it better, pitch it better, putt it better, and then we'll let you out on the golf course. Um, 
and, and or they get started on the golf course and they're playing a distance that's way too far. And so they're immediately pounced on by the marshals and the people that are behind them saying, you got to go faster, you got to go faster. And, and, and um, that makes the game seem not very welcoming. Um, so uh, playing the game on the golf course uh, quickly uh, connects what you're practicing to what the purpose of practice is. Uh, the purpose of practicing and learning is to um, go and play and play better and have have fun. Um, uh, but but for the uh, for the longest time, people I, a lot of kids didn't even know really what golf was. They were their impression of golf was okay. Well, there's a putting green and there's a driving range, and that's it. Do, do you believe that children, if they're playing from the appropriate tees, could they start playing on the golf course from day one? Absolutely. Yeah. So like in our U.S. kids golf curriculum, level one scoring is done from 50 yards and we want them to make a score of six or better three times. And then they can move up to level two scoring, which is from 100 yards, um, same score. Um, and so a lot of times um, it, in every golf course is different. But from where our academy here, here is at Longleaf, I can see down number one, down number nine, and I can see up number 18. And so if I don't see anybody on the tee, I can take uh, four to six kids out 50 yards from the hole and play one hole. You know, it takes 10 minutes and, and perhaps they can get a, a good score and we'll bank that and, and, and save that so that once they accumulate three good scores, they earn their scoring pin. Um, and so they immediately can know what, what the game of golf really is all about. Um, which is amazing to watch a kid. If you could, if you could see a golf course through a kid's eyes for the first time again, it would be eye-opening. Because you know, you wonder why sometimes it's hard to get the kids' attention because they're they're just looking at all the the the, the stimulus around them with the tractors and the mowers and the leaf blowers and the other golfers and golf carts and birds and trees and you know, throw a throw a fox squirrel, which is um, our 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 um, squirrel around here in Pinehurst. It's a black squirrel with a white face. And now it's over for a little while. You got to go chase that squirrel around. Um, so yeah, the golf course is a fun experience and it's, and it's more than just about the golf. It really is about experiencing the whole, um, the whole of the, the, the outdoor environment. And, you know, I, I, although a good balance is always important, but for a junior golfer, can a junior golfer play too much on the golf course? It depends. You know, um, I'm from Texas originally, and Harvey Penick is a, a, a legendary Texas teacher. And, and at one point, he was teaching Tom Kite and Ben Crenshaw at the same time. And he would tell Ben, go play and work it out. And he would tell Tom to, he would tell him exactly how to do it on the driving range specifically, because that's the type of learners they were. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think if you have somebody that, that really enjoys uh, practicing, they should practice and play. Um, and if you enjoy somebody that really, uh, if you have somebody that really enjoys playing, they should play probably more than they practice. Um, uh, you know, kind of keep their air hose filled. If I took bring, if he, if he took Ben Crenshaw and made him stay on the blister box all day, hitting balls, working on his technique, Ben probably would have found something else to do. And, and if he'd have told Tom, please go play and just work it out yourself, Tom would have probably figured out something else to do. So, uh, Harvey was really good about understanding that there was uh, uh, there was at least two different ways to do everything in golf, and um, and the personalities involved have to be taken into account. That's a great point. Some people really some people really ha can wrap themselves in a security blanket on the driving range, and that's that's okay. 
Uh, I've also had the student who, after the first hole, they asked me if they can go back to the range and, and, and practice more because they don't have it today. And this is like some of my high school golfers or something. And so I encourage them to stay out there and try to work it out on the golf course. Because if it's a tournament, that's what they'll have to do. Uh, you can't start over. Um, and so there's a balance there for sure. I totally agree. That's a great example of that. All right. So I got a question here from Dave Malone, who's a, a mutual friend of ours who connected us. Yeah. And I think it's a great question. I'd love, we, we both love to hear your opinion on this one. So, you know, what advice would you give for parents or coaches on how to develop a child into becoming more of an independent junior golfer over the years? Great question. So, um, one of my, well, the, I think that the first off, the parent and the coach need to be co-coaches of their child. Um, golf, more than any other sport probably, allows the parent to play golf with their child. And so there's always going to be opportunity for more coaching. And if it's positive, that's a great thing. Um, but if I've said, make your Y into an L, then brush the grass, stick the finish, show the shoe, and they go out and play with the parents, and the parent says, keep your head down and your left arm straight, the child's getting too, the messages are mixed. And so I think the parent and the coach should stay on the same page, which means that occasionally the parent should stay and watch the lessons, listen to what the coaches are saying um, to their child so that they can repeat just that thing. Don't add new stuff. Um, and, and so, and the other thing is, is that I think the parent, um, you know, we, we, we're partner, U.S. Kids is partners with the Positive Coaching Alliance, and the Positive Coaching Alliance has a, um, a couple of offerings. One of them is an online class called the Double Goal Coach, and that, that's for the coaches because our, our, our um, goals are to teach the game of golf. If they're competitive, we want to teach them how to win. We're going to do all the X's and O's. We're the, we're the technical advisors, if you will. We also look for and don't pass up opportunities to teach life lessons. So that's the double goal. We'll teach life lessons and the game of golf. The parent, uh, there's an online uh, 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 course that they can take called the uh, second goal parent, which is all about the unconditional love and support. And, and they're taught in that, in, that, um, in that course to be the co-coach with the coach, you know, uh, mirror and, and echo what the coach is saying and doing. Um, but then be there for support, um, um, which means that a lot of times the best thing a parent can say is, you know what, I just love watching you play. Let's go find it and hit it again. Um, and that and that just then makes the kids then bulletproof, as opposed to if if the child gets the impression that you love them more when they succeed, which is easy to do, right? You hoop and holler when they make a 30-foot putt and you act disgusted when they miss a three-foot putt. Now the child starts to kind of get the impression that um, I love you more when I succeed, right? Or when you succeed. And we don't, no parent ever does that, uh, but, but we can give that impression. And so the, if they get that impression, they start to become timid and, and um, a little bit afraid to make mistakes. So they're not as adventurous. They don't try to hit the, the three wood off the cart path over a, over a water hazard. And you need to try that to see if you can do it. Um, and instead they become a little bit too timid. Whereas the kids who know that their parents uh, just enjoy watching them play and they just love watching them play, they really become bulletproof and, and are super confident. And um, I think too, just to, to, 
to, to wrap that question up. The, the parent who, who is a joystick parent is a, is a term that we use or a lawnmower parent, which they, they mow down all the obstacles or they, they do everything like get the, the child aligned just right. Uh, they tee the ball up for them. Uh, they, uh, tell them, um, 14 things to do right before they're going to hit a shot. Um, um, I, I kid around with those parents a lot and I ask them, do they have a very comfortable basement? Um, and they look at me kind of weird and I say, because your son or daughter is going to live with you till they're 30. If you keep doing all this for them, uh, let them, let them make their own decision. You know, um, a great story. My, my oldest son was, uh, was a really good player and we were playing in a tournament and I was caddying for him and, and, uh, we were on a par five hole and the second shot was over water. And he needed to hit a good tee shot to, to risk the second shot. And he didn't really hit the good tee shot. But this was the last hole. And I kind of had a feeling we were in the lead or very close to the lead. And so I said, you know, Woody, let's just take it down the right side with a seven iron and then wedge it on. He said, no, Dad, I want to I want to hit three wood. I said, I, I think you could make it, but I think it'd be safer to just go down the right side with a seven iron and then wedge it on. And he said, no, I'd like to try the three wood. So I handed him the three wood. And I step back and I think, okay, here, we're going to learn a life lesson here because he's going to rinse one and he's going to lose the tournament and he's going to be upset. And, but then we can talk about it. Well, it didn't work out that way because he hit it a little thin and it skipped twice on the water and rolled up on the green. Um, so <laughs> it wasn't a learning opportunity, but it was a, you know, it was a great story where I was willing to let him fail, but he, he just got lucky. So <laughs> that's great. I love that. I, I think that's a great uh, answer to that question. Now, I think most parents are great and I think their involvement is awesome. And from your experience as a coach, because I'm a parent, I'd, I'd actually love to hear this advice because I'm going to have my sons play other sports and I might have some questions or question some things that maybe the coaches are doing, hopefully not too much. But how do you talk to a parent or what kind of questions do you address with the parent in, in a kind way so they can kind of understand where you're coming from if there's ever a situation where like you were talking about like the joystick or the lawnmower, I thought that basement example was great, but do you have some other tactics that you use? Absolutely. I think that the thing that I say most of the time is um, I can tell that you want the most from and for your child when it comes to this sport. Um, sometimes as parents, we go about that with all the right intentions, um, but with the wrong strategy because of the way that we go about trying to help. Um, and, 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 and it always comes from the idea that um, I see talent in my son or daughter and I want to give them every opportunity to succeed in that. Um, and on accident in doing that, you, you can turn it into a job. And if you turn, um, if you give an eight-year-old a job, it, um, it won't work out very well. Um, so, but if you keep it fun, I, um, then, then it always works out better. I always quote Phil Jackson when he said that kids who have fun in sports perform better, practice harder, and stay involved longer. And um, as as any parent will tell you, you know, um, at the at the point at which my kids were starting to leave the nest, I could have had a really good garage sale for musical equipment and sporting goods equipment and old bicycles that were in the garage because, you know, they would get used for a little while and then and then put away Taekwondo equipment, you know, that, that cost a fortune and it didn't it only got used for about uh, two seasons. Um, and so, so, and, and it's a lot of times we create that as parents. Uh, sometimes we create that as a coach where we turn something that is very joyous into a job. Um, um, and it, and it's a, it's a, it's a kind of a vicious cycle. If, if a child has great joy in doing something, they're very likely to get good at it. 
And then the parents and the coach see, oh, here's our opportunity to really help junior out. Um, and then we actually cause the burnout. Um, I've, I've said this a, a million times. And if, if a child burns out on any, any sport, there was an adult involved. Um, they, they don't burn out on their own. Um, they, they may get tired of something and want to go do something else. But burnout occurs when parents uh, or coaches put too much external pressure on, uh, raise the goal too high, make it turn into something that is uh, totally void of joy. You, you must practice five hours a day. You must, you know, all, all these all these kind of things. Um, and so that's why we're always about uh, keeping practice fun and, and games based because you get the benefit of the practice um, and they're having fun. Like to Phil Jackson's uh, uh, quote, if, they're, if kids are having fun, they practice harder because it's fun. Um, when it's not fun, they don't, they'll, they'll put in the bare minimum. They'll put in exactly what we told them to and not one second more. What, what I love is when the, uh, the, the parents are having a hard time getting the kids to leave. It's time to go home. And the kids are like, no, I, I, two more shots, two more shots. That's, uh, that's when I know we're doing it right. Um, it's the, uh, and um, I love it when the parents drag, sorry, when the kids drag the parents to the golf course, uh, um, uh, as opposed to the other way around. When the, you can see when the kids are just dragging up behind the parents and they have to be there. I mean, we see that a lot and, um, and, and it's unfortunate, uh, but the, I think that as long as the, as long as we're willing to have that conversation, um, and, um, some coaches, um, uh, will see that and they won't say anything because they're afraid of losing a student. Um, and I tell them you're going to lose them anyways, uh, because they're going to burn out if it, if you don't talk to them. So leverage your expertise as a coach and have that conversation with the parents. It's a tough conversation at first, but after you've had it a couple of times, it gets easier. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's great advice there. So Jim, you know, you're a world of knowledge and junior golf. Really appreciate you taking the time out to come and share all this information with me and the listeners. Where can listeners find out more about you and your junior golf programs? So uh, um, um, I'm at our living laboratory, which is the Longleaf Golf and Family Club in uh, Southern Pines, North Carolina. So you can see our uh, website, longleafgfc.com or uh, U.S. Kids Golf Academy at Longleaf and see what we do here. Um, uh, my email address is jhardy at uskidsgolf.com. Welcome any questions or comments. Um, and then the, uh, my Instagram handle, I think is coach Jim at, oh, I don't even remember what it is. I'm sorry. Um, but, but you can find me. Sorry. You can I'll find it. And I'll, sh I'll put it in the show notes when I do find it, I'll put it in the show notes. So Outstanding. thank you. Yes, of course. Now, Jim, last question before you go. What are your final words of inspiration for raising golfers? So my final words for any parent um, wanting their kid to enjoy golf and, and maybe become good at it is keep it fun. Uh, keep it fun, keep it fun, keep it fun. Um, uh, an eight-year-old shouldn't have a job. A 12-year-old shouldn't have a job other than helping with the dishes or mowing the grass. That's fine. But, the, um, but if the thing that they find great joy in then becomes a job, um, they'll, they'll find ways to sabotage themselves and, um, and, and not have to do it anymore. Um, and so, um, as long as it's fun, then, then they'll continue. And so, um, uh, the, the other piece of advice is, is that make sure that when you're, um, sometimes in golf, uh, parents can wear several different caps. I can be a caddy. I can be a coach. I can be a chauffeur. I can be the cook. 
Um, and so I think a lot of times um, what we see in the caddy atmosphere where the, 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 the parent is caddying for their kid is they forget to take the coach hat off um, and they forget to take the dad hat off sometimes. Now, if, if the child breaks culture, if they cuss or break a club or something, yeah, you got to be dad again or mom again. But um, normally we want the, the, the daddy caddies or the mommy loopers to uh, be just that, um, be support, uh, carry the bag, uh, let them make decisions, help them work things out if they ask. Uh, but um, we're wanting to grow uh, responsible and independent thinkers. Um, and so it, it can, we, golf can really be a great sport in order to do that, to grow uh, independent thinking uh, humans. And so that would be my advice. Perfect. Jim, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm going to continue to follow everything that you're doing and continue to learn from you as a golf coach and as a parent. And I hope everybody else gets a chance to go check out what you guys are doing, check out US Kids Golf. And um, it, it, it's really cool. So thank you so much. Thanks, Travis. I appreciate all you do for junior golf as well. Thank you. All right. Fantastic interview there with Jim Hardy from US Kids Golf. And I love this idea and concept of teach lightly. And I think how they introduce new technical aspects to junior golf is very simple. It's very effective. And then it allows them to go explore and have a bit of self-discovery. And I think we all can do a better job of that as adults to allow children to have more time to self-discover, to figure out things on their own. So whether it's putting and distance control, whether it's putting and aim and direction, whether it's chipping as far as trajectory height, and there's a lot of things that we can do that we don't have to necessarily step in so quickly as adults. Let the children figure a bit of it out on their own because children are brilliant and they will figure it out. We just gotta give them the time and be patient. We also talked a lot about playing games and the importance of playing games. And one thing that Jim mentioned, which I thought was fantastic, was that children sometimes are learning golf without even knowing that they're learning golf. And that's because they're playing these games, they are getting that sense of self-discovery, and they're having a lot of fun. And I think fun is something that needs to be put more at the forefront of learning golf. And we as adults have to be able to provide these environments and experiences for children so that they first love golf, then they want to become a player or a golfer. But I think if they're not enjoying the game of golf, they're not having fun, they're just going to walk away from the sport. So we got to make sure that we have lots of games, lots of fun, and let's remember to teach lightly. Thanks so much, Jim, for coming on this podcast episode. I learned a lot. I think you all did as listeners as well. And look forward to hearing the feedback from all of you on today's interview. Thank you so much, guys.